Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. I am your host, Gene Ross. I am back from a one-week hiatus where Matt filled in graciously for me last week. He and Josh killed it on their last episode, but I am back after some scheduling conflicts kept me out of here last weekend. Joining the podcast, as always, is Josh Dooley. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Gene. Glad to have you back. Uh, had some listeners in my DMs after the last episode, and let's just say that they missed you. I, I'm glad to hear it. I'm sure you did a great job, but you know, <laughs> the, the listeners have gotten used to our, our one-two combo, and you know, Matt's Matt's great at the whole podcast. I think he's been doing this much longer than either of us, so it still went pretty smoothly. Hang out in the Holy Land. It keeps going regardless of who's on the mic, but today we've got another great episode for you. There's a lot going on in Ohio State, specifically with Ohio State football recruiting. Uh, if you check out this week's recruiting podcast, Langer and Holy Land, that was more uh, basketball-focused. Matt sat down with somebody who was very knowledgeable in Ohio State basketball recruiting, and they talked a lot about that and what's going on with Chris Holtman and the gang. But we are here to bring you some of the football recruiting news, and boy, has there been a lot of it over this weekend. Uh, we'll start with the negatives and transition more to the positive. It's really only one negative, so to speak. Um, obviously, by now, if you follow Ohio State recruiting at all, you've seen the news that five-star cornerback Jaheim Singletary has decommitted from Ohio State uh, following some visits to Miami and Georgia. Uh, he's a Florida native. He's the number five cornerback in the class. He would have been Ohio State's first five-star cornerback signee since Jeff Okuda. Uh, it appears now he'll probably, it, based on how he's speaking, it's not like something where he could decommit and come back. He seems pretty set on being between Georgia and Miami. He'll probably wind up at Georgia if I had to place my own crystal ball on it. But it is a, a pretty significant loss for Ohio State to lose a five-star guy like that in the 2022 class. Josh, what is your what was your immediate reaction upon hearing the Singletary news? It was something that we kind of had seen coming, but now it's uh, it's official and it's he's he's out of the class. Yeah, you know, I think it's a big blow. Singletary was, I, I think you mentioned it, the number five corner, number 14 overall in the class of 2022. I really liked his size, 6'1", 170, uh, a bit of a taller corner, could play with some physicality. So I was looking forward to having him kind of get into the program and learn under Kerry Coombs and Matt Barnes and whatnot. But while it's a blow, I, I don't think it's a disaster by any means. It's still early enough in the recruiting kind of cycle for 2022 that Ohio State could look to rebound. And they do have some other guys coming in in this class that we can get to. But, you know, it, Ohio State has had trouble before keeping a year-plus-long commitment from the Florida kids. It's just one of those natural things. And I think probably what set it off is all of these COVID restrictions – uh, being lifted and the world kind of opening back up, or at least the United States opening back up. Singletary was go able to go on more frequent visits, see some other places. And it sounds to me like he's just a kid who wants to stay a little bit closer to home. He committed to Ohio State very early and has had a chance to sort of rethink that. So 
that's what it kind of comes down to for me. Miami, Georgia, he's a Florida kid, so he wants to stay down in that territory. But I don't know. It's a big blow, but it's nothing that I don't think that we can rebound from. And even if we don't sign another corner, I do have confidence in the kids we're bringing in next year. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you brought up kind of the Florida long haul recruitment thing because it does seem something like a, a a like a thing that happens with these Florida recruits that it's just for whatever reason in that state. I guess it's all you know, especially when they're committing somewhere like Ohio State or somewhere you know maybe on the West Coast that's a lot farther from home. They're getting a lot of pressure from some of these SEC programs or the local schools in Florida, like the Florida States and Miami. So you know, there's a lot going on down there. It is hard to keep these kids locked in for that long, especially when they're a player. Uh, of the caliber of Jaheim Singletary, and obviously we wish him the best. And, you know, these are just high school kids making their decisions, so no need to get mad at him on social media or anything. I haven't really seen much negative uh, feedback from Ohio State fans, luckily, in terms of Singletary. But, you know, some some of those people are out there, and they suck. It's just, you know, you can't, can't be yelling at these recruits. But like you said, there are a bunch of good kids already coming in in the class. Uh, at cornerback, they still have a four, high four-star corner, Terrence Brooks, who I feel like his commitment kind of went under the radar a bit. He's the number nine corner in the class. He seems like a guy that has some potential of maybe reaching the uh, the back end of those five-star recruits, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, they also have J- uh, Jair Brown, who's been in the fold for a while, the number 16 corner, and then they have a pair of three-star guys in Ryan Turner and uh, Kai Stokes, who's listed as an athlete but will likely suit up at safety or corner. And these are also coming on the heels of a 2021 class where Ohio State brought in both uh, Ja'Kalen Johnson and Jordan Hancock, as well as a couple other guys in that class that will all play in the secondary. So it's not like Ohio State's really hurting numbers-wise in the secondary, but it does hurt to lose a five-star when they haven't had one at the position in quite a while. But uh, I trust the coaching staff uh, that they know what they're doing. They they have these guys that are coming in. They're not just recruiting them to be depth guys. They think that anyone that comes in could be a starter at Ohio State under the tutelage of Kerry Combs and Matt Barnes uh, back there. And so I think Ohio State's cornerback personnel are in a pretty good spot, and you know I'm I'm really interested to see if they pursue another five star, maybe try to flip someone like Damani Jackson, who's committed to USC. Uh, they were in on him for a while. There aren't that many five star guys left out there that are uncommitted, so it would probably have to be someone that flips like that, or maybe a Will Johnson from Michigan. But that one's unlikely since he's a legacy up there. I think someone like Jackson could be something you could potentially see, but I don't see much smoke there at the moment. But it will it'll be interesting to see how they kind of try to make up for the loss of Singletary, whether they bring in another guy or just kind of trust what they have on the roster now. Yeah, you said it. I said, actually, that it seems early enough in the cycle. But to your point, there aren't a lot of highly ranked guys still out there without some sort of commitment. And it seems like in recent years, guys are moving up their timetable as far as when they commit to a school. You know, we saw the exact opposite with JTT. It seems like he just committed yesterday and he's going to be practicing this week. Um, So... Not a ton of time, but enough time, I think, that they can look for a flip or look for somebody who's a little bit under the radar, like Ryan Turner. You know, Ryan Turner is a three-star corner right now, but everything that I've read on him and some of the film that I've seen, I think that he could be underrated and have some untapped potential. So I could see him joining Terrence Brooks and Jair Brown as four-star guys, and then that's an automatic reload. Like you said, it's not the five-star talent that you would hope for, but between those three guys and Hancock, like you mentioned, and Ja'Kalen Johnson, like you mentioned, even guys like Ransom and Ryan Watts, who we have on the roster right now, when it comes to experience, they're all young. So this looks like sort of a, a large rebuild or retool of the Ohio State secondary, and it needed to happen. So 
I think they have enough talent coming in that they'll get coached up and they've got some time to do so. But Gene, I did want to ask you, now that Singletary has decommitted, we saw Benji Gosnell, the tight end, decommit recently. And before that, there was um, Dason McCullough. He decommitted, went to, or he's planning on going to Indiana to join his family there. Do you think that Ohio State has any reason to be concerned that they've seen three decommitments in a, a relatively short time frame here? Uh, I don't think so. It's not like there's anything that seems to be connecting the three. It's not like there's been some, you know, scandal at Ohio State or a coaching change or something that has led to this rush of decommitments. You know, with with McCullough, it was obviously a family thing with Indiana. You can't blame him there. Uh, like we talked about with Singletary, it's just kind of that whole Florida SEC vibe and just kind of getting out there and getting other schools. So the only really surprise among that group with God was Gosnell. But you know, with, with the way Ohio State plays uh, their tight end position, I'm surprised any tight end ever wants to come play at Ohio State. So I, I don't really think it's anything to really be too concerned. The guys, the core part of that class is still seems pretty strong, and there seem to be a bunch of still very highly rated recruits that are that have Ohio State in their top three or four, and they could be getting some bigger booms here in the next couple weeks and months. So I don't think it's anything that they should be overly concerned about. But like you said, it is it is three decommitments in the span of you know a couple weeks. Uh, they've now fallen under Penn State in the recruiting rankings. However, there's a uh, another big reason for that, and and on top of the reasons that uh, for that, it's Penn State has like nine more commitments than them or something, and they're still only yeah. a few points ahead. So it, it, I wouldn't be like super concerned that Penn State's on top of the world right now because Ohio State gets like one more commitment and they jump back on top. But uh, yeah, you know it, it is it's interesting to see. We, uh, I guess it's somewhat to be expected with the way that, you know, recruitment had gone with these kids not being able to take visits. And now, like you said, the world opening back up, they're kind of, you know, opening their eyes to other programs. Maybe they, you know, hadn't been to Ohio State previously or they, you know, they just got to visit other places that they felt more comfortable than at Ohio State. So, you know, it's all it's all a weird world in this COVID and post-COVID or I guess middle of COVID that we're still in or whatever we're in now these days. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's not super shocking, and I wouldn't say that I would worry about Ohio State's recruiting because Ryan Day seems to have a, a pretty decent idea of what he's doing out there. Yeah, I'm on the same page with you. If anything, I think that this was always bound to happen once these COVID restrictions were lifted. OSU, in my mind, benefited from being OSU. You know, they got commitments when kids were not able to take nearly as many visits, and they were like, well, look, Ohio State's offered me. They're in the playoff every single year. I'm going to commit to them. I'm going to go and play for championships and get developed properly and all of that good stuff. So I think they had a built-in benefit there. And now with that kind of freedom to go and see these other schools, I think it was natural or I don't know, natural, but it's not unexpected that some of these kids would have a change of heart and either choose to stay closer to home or just see what else is out there. You know, you said Gosnell, and the whole tight end factory that we have at Ohio State. They're blocking tight ends. Maybe he wants to go catch some passes and all of that good stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm on the same page. It's not surprising, but it's a ding nonetheless. We've dropped down to number three, like you said, for good reason. But you always want to stay atop of your competition, especially those teams in the conference like a Penn State. Although I'm also with you on that. I think that's a little bit of a – a false number one status right now. I see plenty of change uh, happening over the next however many months here. 
Yeah, and of course, that, that provides a good transition because we can't talk about changes to the 2022 class rankings without talking about the other five-star that Ohio State technically lost from their 2022 class but didn't actually lose, and that is Quinn Ewers deciding to forego his senior season of high school and enroll at Ohio State early and actually reclassify as a member of the 2021 class. So Quinn Ewers is no longer listed in 2022. He becomes the number one recruit in 2021, which is super impressive that he's good enough to have been the top recruit, whether he he was in 2021 or 2022 and just looking at you know the rankings now in 2021 it's pretty crazy Ohio State is literally 0.01 uh, behind Alabama for the highest like per player ranking in the 2021 class and with Quinn Ewers now in the fold who is obviously the number one quarterback and the number one player uh, they now have three of the top five players in the country in 2021 they have four of the top 10 and that gives them the number one quarterback in the country in Ewers, the number one wide receiver in the country in Ibuka, the number one interior O-lineman in Donovan Jackson, the number one running back in Travion Henderson, and then the top, two of the top three defensive linemen in JT Tuimalau and Jack Sawyer. So the 2021 class is absolutely ridiculous, and we're, we're going to talk obviously a lot about Ewers uh, and, and the impact that his reclassification has on Ohio State and like college football at large, but... Uh, just just looking at what Ohio State has been able to do in now 2021 with the addition of Ewers, and it's just an absolutely ridiculous class to look at. Yeah, we'll start with some positivity because I'm a little more pessimistic about the move as a whole, but this 2021 class is unlike anything we've ever seen. You mentioned it, 0.01 behind Alabama for the best class in the country. Basically, call it equal. Um to have seven five stars in the class and yours be, I guess, the second cherry on top after JTT is just a really positive development in the last couple of weeks here. It's, I mean, obviously with the rankings, it is the best class that Ohio State has ever brought in, but I could easily seeing it go down in history as as good or better than the Joey Bosa and Zeke Elliott class. I want to say 2014. I hope I'm not wrong on that one. But the amount of talent that that class produced as a whole, just basically the the off chance that some of these guys don't hit, that still leaves a handful of five stars, high four stars that can really rise up and become phenomenal football players and reach that NFL level you just can't say enough good things about this 2021 class. And that's the thing to be most excited about when you look at the development of, of what has happened in the past couple of weeks and just the class as a whole. I, I Like I said, never seen anything like it, but it's just so surprising that they were able to bring in this collection of talent in one season and top the already impressive year in and year, year out recruiting at Ohio State. Yeah, for sure. There is a ton of potential in this 2021 class. A lot of five-star guys, a lot of guys that could potentially start in year one. And that brings me to a, a question I have for you, Josh. We're going to break down a lot about this situation, but do you think that there is any way that Queen Ewers can now come in here with a few weeks left before the season starts and potentially win the Ohio State quarterback, starting quarterback job? It's it's going to be, it's really interesting to me because obviously he's a guy that's looked at as kind of like the second coming of Trevor Lawrence. He's like Trevor Lawrence, but with a mullet. And so, like, he's a guy, he's got a perfect recruiting ranking. He's obviously this this ridiculously talented, ridiculously highly regarded quarterback prospect. And he's coming into a room where 
None, none of the guys on the roster have thrown a collegiate pass at Ohio State. You know, two of them are redshirt freshmen in C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller. Both were on the team last year, but neither threw a pass. They both got into games and scored a rushing touchdown, but neither of them attempted a single pass. Uh, you obviously also in the 2021 class have five-star Kyle McCord coming in as well. So you have three former five-stars on the roster, one high four-star on Jack Miller. And now you have this guy coming in who's looked at as like the second coming of Jesus Christ in in the football world. And he's going to try to compete for a job now in a room that seems pretty much still like wide open, at least to the public. Ryan Day hasn't leaked any, you know, leaders in the room or whatever. You know, the the vast majority of the media and people around Ohio State have assumed that C.J. Stroud is the man to beat. But do you think that Quinn Ewers coming in changes the quarterback competition at all? I don't think that it changes it right now or towards the beginning of the season. I think that with one month to go before they kick off at Minnesota, it's just not enough time for any player, let alone one as good as Quinn Ewers, to come in, you know, get moved in, get acclimated, start practicing with the team, get a playbook in his hands, although I'm sure he's probably seen some things that the Ohio State coaches have provided him. I just don't think that there's enough time for him to win the job prior to week one. Now, as the season plays out, who knows? If CJ struggles or Kyle McCord unexpectedly wins the job and he struggles or they both struggle, maybe Ewers just looks so great in practice running the scout team that they have to get him out there on the field. But no, to answer your question, I don't think there's enough time for him to come in and win this job before Minnesota. But it is definitely a wrench in the plans of what the Ohio State coaches had as far as developing their quarterback and and settling on a starter. But, yeah, I mean, you're talking about exactly a month from now. September 2nd, they kick off at Minnesota. I don't see it happening, and that's part of the reason that I think it just – it sort of creates some chaos in the quarterback room. But how would you answer your own question? Do you think he has a chance to come in and be a starter week one, two, whenever it is? I think that Ryan Day will allow him to have the chance. I think he will keep the competition open and allow Ewers to compete in it. I don't think it's going to be a thing where like the other three guys are, you know, clearly above him and that he doesn't have a chance. They're going to make him, you know, learn the playbook and then like maybe redshirt or whatever they want to do with him. But I don't think that you could come in with like a month left to the season and start regardless of how good you are. Because like you say, you know, at least the other guys on the roster, especially Stroud and Miller, have been here for a little bit. They they spent a whole year like practicing with the team, learning the playbook, all this stuff. So they obviously have the leg up on the competition. And, and Kyle McCord's an interesting case because he is a five-star quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. He's a guy that's going to have, you know... uh existing chemistry with someone like Marvin Harrison Jr. who's expected to be, you know, to start out a role player but could play his way very well into the starting lineup with how good he's looked in in camp and how much everyone's talking about him. But it, it's a really interesting room, and I, I think it's a, it's a good problem to have, but it is going to be a problem for Ohio State that they now have four scholarship quarterbacks, all of which are underclassmen. You know, you have two true freshmen and two redshirt freshmen, so I, I don't like to speculate specifically on, you know, guys' decisions to transfer because at the end of the day, you know, these are 18, 19, 20-year-olds. I don't want to tell them what to do or how they should feel or, like, kind of guess what their life decisions are based on, but I, I would be shocked if we don't lose at least one, if not two of these guys in the next month or so to the transfer portal just because there is there's only one football. You only could have one quarterback and, you know, all of these guys are now pretty much on the same timeline. And I don't know how many years of Quinn Ewers they're willing to waste because even if you say let him sit this year as a freshman and just learn the playbook, I, if he's as good as people think he is, I just can't see him not 
being Ohio State's starting quarterback next season. And so that that kind of kills it for the other three guys currently on the roster. And, you know, maybe C.J. Stroud or Kyle McCord or Jack Miller come in here and they absolutely light it up this season. It could be another tough battle next year, but I just can't. I, I find it hard to believe that this kid is this highly touted and has just had this much, like, hype about him that basically since he entered high school as like the next big college quarterback and he's not going to come in here and win this job after one year like so I so I don't think it'll happen in year one but I can't see him not starting in year two and I think that creates a bit of a log jam for Ohio State at quarterback and obviously you'd rather have too many good quarterbacks and not enough good quarterbacks but it is something that Ryan Day and his staff are gonna have to deal with in terms of roster management moving forward. kind of a tough blow to the guys that are already here because we mentioned the timing for yours. It's it's not a whole lot of time to come in and get acclimated and learn the playbook, practice, all of that good stuff. But for the guys that are already on the roster, if they are now considering going elsewhere, it does not leave a whole lot of time for them. They could choose to transfer tomorrow. Again, you said you don't want to put that on anybody, but if that's the decision that they make, any of them, if they were to go elsewhere, they would now be behind the eight ball as well. If they were to go to, I'm just going to throw a school out there, like an Iowa State or a Boston College or, you know, whatever. They were all highly recruited. They would probably aim a little bit higher. But if they were to go somewhere else, even if they were the best quarterback on that new roster, they would now be behind schedule, different playbook, all of the things that Quinn Ewers is facing here at Ohio State. The reason that I'm a little pessimistic about it is Ohio State, whether the coaches would say so or not, probably had a loose framework of how the next three or four years would go. This throws that timeline off. You know, Stroud and McCord would battle in 2021. And then in 2022, Ewers was going to enter the equation. And you're looking at a two or three way battle there. Who knows what happens, but at the very least, you think Quinn Ewers is your number one go-to guy in 2023, if I'm just projecting. Now, like you mentioned, who stays and who goes? You say you hear NFL coaches speak to the fact that if you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. It's a little bit different in college because they haven't developed, they haven't played nearly as much, but now they have four quarterbacks. So do they have one? The reason it's a good problem to have is because you have to think that of those four guys, you're going to find one or two studs. You are going to be able to settle on the best guy. But what is the depth behind that guy going to look like moving forward? You know, if yours comes in and he's handed it right away, what does CJ Kyle and Jack Miller all do? Who knows? There's a lot to figure out in a short period of time. So, you know, and the other thing with Ewers is he is coming in with so much hype, more hype than any Buckeye quarterback since Terrell Pryor, I would say. Does he expect to start? Does he have an ego? We don't know a whole lot about him. We've heard some interviews and seems like a good team player and all that good stuff. But does he come in with an ego and then do the current quarterbacks feel, I don't know, some sort of pressure or even betrayal that you know, Ryan Day and staff have brought in another guy on this um, faster faster schedule or faster timeline, whatever it ends up being. Is there any sort of animosity in the room? Do you see it being a chemistry issue with the quarterbacks? 
Well, it's kind of interesting because they've now basically done this to a guy two years in a row and obviously unintentionally and they're just trying to do what's best for the program and try to win as many games as they can. But you saw, you know, in, in 2021 or 2020, I guess, uh, when the, Jack Miller was committed really early and he was the quarterback for a while. Obviously, he got hurt. He didn't get to play his final season in, in high school and that kind of dropped his rank a little bit. And then they brought on C.J. Stroud late as the five-star guy and kind of he became the new front fr- front runner for Ohio State's starting quarterback. And so that kind of, you know, Jack Miller kind of became the forgotten guy in that class. And here you have it again where Ohio State lands the five-star quarterback. They land they land uh, Kyle McCord. And now late in the process, they take on Quinn Ewers as another technical commit in 2021. So it's two years in a row where they kind of Ohio State's kind of found a guy and then brought on a, a better guy late or a higher ranked guy. I shouldn't say better because you don't know how good they'll be on the field, but a higher ranked guy later in the process that kind of pushed the original guy aside. And now, like you said, it's going to be a numbers game. You know, starting Quinn Ewers' clock early. Uh, so you don't, you're not going to get that extra year of him that you would have gotten if he just came next year. So it, like you said, it could, it is interesting to think about, you know, how did this impact Ohio State's plans for their quarterbacks moving forward? But I kind of have a, a question to flip that on you. Do you think that this has anything to do with maybe Ohio State not trusting the guys they currently have and adding Ewers as like a fallback option if none of these guys pan out? Because I don't think they'd allow him to come if they didn't think that like either both he was ready and that he could you know potentially play a role sooner rather than later so I I don't know if like they just didn't I don't think they don't trust any of the guys in the room I think they could probably roll out any of those three guys that they already had and put together a successful offense with the weapons they have around him but do you think this had anything to do with maybe you know a guy in that room not separating themselves from the pack and them wanting to add another guy to kind of fuel maybe maybe just fuel the competition a little bit and put some pressure on these guys and make and you know pressure creates diamonds kind of situation and hope that one of these guys are able to pull away and that they feel really really comfortable having whoever it is come out and start for them in game one against Minnesota that is a really interesting question and it's not one that I had thought of um I Want to say no. I think that there is plenty of trust in the three other quarterbacks, or at least two of them. You know, I feel like we're kind of crapping on Jack Miller, but whether it's at Ohio State or somewhere else, I think that kid's going to be a good quarterback. But I think that because they've been in the program for as long as they have, you know, even Kyle McCord, he, enro- he enrolled in January. He was um, an early enrollee with this 2021 class. They've seen him on the practice field. They've seen them in the weight room. Stroud and McCord specifically performed really well in the spring game. So, no, I don't think that there is a lack of trust, but it is an interesting question. And as far as Ewers is concerned and him wanting to come in early, I think that it would have been difficult for Ohio State to push back or try to steer him in a different direction because if they did that, would they then risk losing him? There is still plenty of time as a 2022 recruit. He could take that as some sort of slight and view it like, okay, Ryan Day and the coaches there, they don't think that I'm ready or they don't think that I can win the job. And while that should probably be a motivator, you don't know how everyone's kind of thought process works. Maybe he would take that as a slight and say, you know what, I'm gonna look elsewhere. I'm going to look for a program or a team or a coach that's going to tell me that they have all the confidence in the world that I can win a starting job the second I walk on campus. So there are just so many factors that come into play and so many questions that arise from this that 
you know, I don't know that I can really answer your question as much as I want to say no. It is entirely possible. We don't know the discussions that took place. Maybe Ryan Day and his staff said, hey, you know what, Quinn? We've seen our guys. We think they're all good quarterbacks, but we think there's a chance you're better. And there's a chance that you could come in and as an 18-year-old be a Heisman frontrunner. You've seen what we've done here at Ohio State with our quarterbacks and Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields and guys of that nature. So who knows? You know, that's a really, really interesting question. A good one by you. It's something I'll probably have to think about more after the pod, but it's kind of too late for that now. You know, here's here's where we're at. We're in this situation, and they're going to have some things to figure out. I think, as we both alluded to, it's a great problem to have, but now I look at the 2022 class. We don't have a quarterback sign, obviously. We have a stud coming in a year early, but I was kind of looking around, and I think I saw that the top – 35 quarterbacks from 2022 have given a verbal commitment to somebody. So now looking forward, who knows who's on the roster next year, whoever we have, I'm going to have faith in, and obviously the coaches will too, but now how do we retool and, and recoup the talent that we've now lost from 2022? Do you think that this presents an issue moving forward for 2022 and 2023? Yeah, I think that's a couple a couple good points you brought up there. The first being that, you know, they did there there would still be a lot of time to potentially lose Ewers in twenty twenty two had they not, you know, allowed him to make this decision if that's one that he wanted to make. You know, obviously uh Texas was the other school he was looking at originally committed to Texas. They brought on another quarterback, so it wasn't likely that he'd end up there. But there are other programs around the country that I'm sure would love to have Quinn Ewers. And so if this was what he really wanted to do, Ohio State did have to kinda not not appease him, but just be like, yeah, you know, we have to be willing to make this decision if we want to keep this quarterback in the fold. And so that's obviously important. And then, yeah, like you said, this does kind of change how Ohio State's recruiting goes in the next couple of years. I don't think it impacts 2022 because, you know, at least two of these guys are still going to be here next year. You're going to have a quarterback. So you're not going to need to really worry about bringing another guy in right away. But I do think in 2023 now, they definitely have to get, you know, another, you know, high four-star or five-star quarterback to kind of fill the role after Ewers or whoever is the starting quarterback after there decides to leave for the NFL, you know, in 2023. So it does impact recruiting moving forward. They're going to have to look for a quarterback probably a year earlier than they would have liked uh, since, you know, they, they kind of were going every other year with like 2020 and then 2022, but now it's kind of moved up to having 2023 be that next big quarterback year for Ohio State. And then, you know, the other factor in this decision that we haven't really brought up but is obviously important to Ewers because he mentioned it in his his tweet about the decision is, is the NIL possibilities for a kid like that. You know, we've heard reports that uh, uh, I think it's Bryce Young at Alabama has earned like up to a million dollars already in NIL deals without having played a snap of football. And, you know, we've heard some rumors that there's some kombucha company that's offering Queen Ewers a crap ton of money and like equity in their company, but like he wouldn't be legally allowed crazy. to do that it's if crazy. he was still yeah no absolutely insane but like he wouldn't be able to legally do that if he was still in high school so that's another part of this decision for him to enroll early is that he's able to make money at an earlier age and i'm all for that you know obviously make your money use your talent to the best of your ability make as much money as you can but that's another another big factor in this you know nil has changed the landscape of college football and maybe ewers isn't 
the, he, he's he's one of the first guys we've seen make a decision like this because it's a rule that just came to fruition. But maybe he's not the last guy we see of this caliber who wants to, you know, if they're able to graduate high school early, that they make this decision in order to start making, you know, start making money as quick as they can. Even if he's not going to play at Ohio State this year, he's still going to have a year of being able to collect his checks from NIL endorsements and all this good stuff. So I'm sure, you know, even if he's not playing, he'll be at least happy bringing in some extra cash while he's learning to play football at Ohio State because he knows he'll probably be a starter down the line anyway. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, is you look at you brought up Bryce Young. Uh, they've said that he's nearing a million dollars. Who knows how truthful that is? I think that's just as, if not more crazy than the whole Quinn Ewers kombucha deal going on. But even if you were to come in in red shirt, which I sort of hope happens, you know, he's late coming in. So get him in here. Let him watch unless you need to throw him out there. Let him watch and learn, and that just puts him further ahead for 2022. But if he were to come in and sit on the bench and not look bad, just sit on the bench and not play period, he's still going to have some earning power. Whether it's you know $10,000 or $100,000 or whatever it is, if he starts signing some early deals, anybody wants to, you know, everyone wants to do that. They want to make money as soon as they're able to do so. So that's obviously a big factor. Like you said, he spoke to it already. It's just, uh, you know, it's kind of like the 2021 class as a whole. It is a very unique, surprising, good situation that we're going to have to meander through and figure out. But, you know, I I want to get towards the the more optimistic end of the spectrum here. We've talked about the problem, even though it's a good one to have. Quinn Ewers is an elite talent. So if he comes in and he is everything he's cracked up to be, he is the Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, 100 out of 100 recruit, then we're happy to have him. We're happy to have him regardless. But there's an opportunity for him to come in and be that next Trevor Lawrence where he has three years and he puts Ohio State in a great position to hopefully win a national title. You know, he... um People have compared him to Trevor Lawrence, and I think that's just due to the status that he sort of holds as this uber recruit. But I look at him 6'3", 210, prototypical size. He's a little bit shorter than Lawrence, but the thing that I really like about him is he's got an effortless throwing motion, and he can do it from these crazy angles. And I saw Patrick Mahomes kind of shout him out this afternoon after he made his announcement By no means am I comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. I would not put that on anybody. But when you watch the tape and you see those crazy arm angles and that effortless motion, I see him possibly being just as exciting on the college level as somebody like a Patrick Mahomes. And who knows? You know, if he's willing to shout him out on Twitter, maybe there's some sort of pre-existing relationship. I'm not sure. But maybe he could get some of that tutelage and that coaching or those tips in the offseason and make him that much more better. So, you know, I was I was pessimistic about it, and I think it's going to create some some challenges for sure. But to bring in a guy of this talent and get him in here early, he is not a blank slate, but he's a blank slate for Ryan Day to work his magic, and we've seen what he's done in the past. So the sky is the limit for Quinn Ewers, and hopefully it's here at Ohio State, and hopefully – there's a natural progression 
in the way that he kind of takes the job or wins the job and it just leads to success one way or another. I feel like that's a lot of ifs and buts, but it's new and it's just, it's a whole lot to think through and process when you're looking at the guys in that room. Yeah, Mahomes did shout him out on Twitter. They actually do. I've seen pictures of them working out together. I think they work with the same quarterbacks coach in the offseason or whatever. So it's just, imagine how crazy it must be to not even like be a senior in high school yet or start your senior season in high school. And you're working out with Patrick Mahomes, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And that's just got to be a crazy feeling. It just shows the level of talent of someone like Queen Ewers that they're able to, you know, even be on the same field as Patrick Mahomes. And obviously he's not, we're not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes, but just the fact that they're working out together and Mahomes is, you know, hype that he's going to college and that he's, you know, hyping him up that he's a good player is you got you can't you can't hope but be happy to, you know, see something like that. And I just can't wait. You know how they sell those like it's like a it's like a visor, but it's got like hair on it. Like how long before yeah, Ohio State is going. selling yeah. like how long before Ohio State is selling those, but with like the blonde mullet and how awesome is it gonna be to see like the whole student section just rocking these fake blonde mullets when Quinn Ayers eventually does become Ohio State's quarterback. I'm super excited for that. I think that's gonna be a lot of fun. And I think it's just interesting to look at, you know, the growth of Ohio State's quarterback room just in a year where we went from, you know, uh, you know, two years ago when Justin Fields first got here, it was like, okay, if, if Justin Fields is great, best quarterback we could have right now. If he gets hurt, no disrespect to Chris Chuganoff or Gunnar Hoke, but we are screwed. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, last year it was like, you know, oh, Justin Fields gets hurt. You know, we have two guys behind him that have no experience, but at least, you know, it's a, f- a five-star and a four-star. And now it's like, all right, which of our which of our five-star talents is going to take the field first? It's just a crazy, you know, sequence of events from Ryan Day in just a few short years to really turn the Ohio State quarterback room completely around. And I saw a funny tweet today. I wish I remembered who it was. I can't find it, but I, I would love to give them credit. But it was literally like, you know, when Ohio State's up, 42 to nothing going into the third quarter of like a blowout game and the other school's like oh man thank god they're finally taking out their starters and here comes you know another five-star quarterback surrounded by five-star wide receivers it's just like there's no break on this Ohio State team and like half of these guys that are backups would start pretty much anywhere else like I think any of these four quarterbacks would probably start at any program in the country aside from maybe Alabama or Clemson but anywhere else I think these guys are day one starters as freshmen so it's a fun time to be an Ohio State fan it'll be fun to see how this battle plays out and I think whatever decision the coaches come to uh, at the end of the day of who's going to be the starting quarterback you know you, you can't really go wrong and I'm sure that they'll make the right one at the end of the day. Yeah, I have the utmost confidence in their decision-making. We're going to have the right guy out there. You know, I, I'm hesitant to do it because we both talked about you never want to project and you don't wish ill will on anybody in their career or their pursuit of a career. But, you know, we are a podcast. We want people to listen. And one way that you entice people is with potentially hot takes or, or wild opinions. Um, I'm kind of going to put you on the spot, but... What sort of movement, if any, do you see between these four quarterbacks in the next year plus? Like, again, I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to pin you down. Who do you think stays, goes, and what do you see happening in the next year or two at the starting quarterback position for Ohio State, if you had to guess? Well, um, I actually, I, I think a lot of people just automatically default to Jack Miller decommitting because he's the lowest rated of the bunch. But I actually think, you know, he he came here because he wanted to come here. He wanted to be a Buckeye. His family is big Buckeye fans. So I actually think that there's a chance that he winds up staying, even if he doesn't, you know, obviously there'll be better chances to play elsewhere. But I think at the end of the day, Jack Slayer wants to play at Ohio State and wants to be at Ohio State. And so even if his role is only to come here and be the backup quarterback, you know, if, if somebody gets hurt, there's injuries. Injuries happen all the time. You know, he could step in 
in and, and play a really big role for this team. Like maybe like a when JT went down and Cardale came in and won them a title. You know, Jack. I, I don't think that you know Miller would would hate playing that role because I think he wants to be in Columbus and wants to play at Ohio State. So I don't think he's actually the top guy to watch for a transfer. I, if I had to pick one of the guys. You know, obviously this is contingent on probably C.J. Stroud earning the starting job this year, but I think the obvious choice to probably look for playing time elsewhere would be someone like C.J. Uh, not C.J. Stroud would be uh, Kyle McCord, just because his timeline is now the same as Quinn Ewers, and so if Quinn Ewers is the guy we think he is, and he's going to be, you know, after the season starting for the next two, then then McCord's not going to get a chance to play here, and so even if it's you know, I'm sure McCord's a very good quarterback, and I've already seen you know Ohio State fans complaining on Twitter because they think that uh, McCord's going to leave and become the next Joe Burrow and win a Heisman elsewhere. And, you know, while that, that could be true, we, we, you know, McCord's a very good quarterback. He came to Ohio State for a reason. He's a five-star talent. Uh, but if you have a guy on the roster that the coaches think is better and winds up being a better player, then these are the decisions that have to be made. And obviously, you know, I'm not going to speak for, for Kyle McCord and what he's feeling or how, you know, he's leaning right now. But I think that whoever wins the starting quarterback job this season is really going to play a big factor in how the rest of this room shakes out moving forward. And I think, you know, obviously... There was a good chance somebody was already going to transfer after this season or like before the season starts, just based on how the the uh, competition was going to go between three guys. But now there's a fourth guy. You know, it's almost certain that at least one of them is gone before this year is over. Yeah, I'm a, a charter member of the Kyle McCord Hive. I think that that guy has a howitzer on his right shoulder. I think he's a special quarterback. I, I tend to agree with you that maybe he would be a guy that does look elsewhere, but you brought up Jack Miller. I I think that we saw something not entirely similar, but somewhat similar with Mac Jones. You know, Mac Jones came to Alabama and I I believe he was a four-star recruit. I would have to go back and look, but he was a highly thought of recruit. Obviously that's all Alabama brings in. And, he got passed over. I, I don't know his entire timeline, but Tua started, Jalen Hurts. Um, then they had Bryce Young coming, but you know Jones had expired his eligibility. Regardless, he sat behind some guys, and he learned, and he developed, and then he got an opportunity. Who knows? Maybe that happens to Jack Miller. Maybe he is the one that sits, and he's the backup, and he gets some mop-up duty, but he gets to learn under Ryan Day, who is a quarterback guru, and I don't think anyone would argue against that. Maybe he's the one who buys his time, um, you know, kind of pays his dues, practices with the team, becomes an expert with the playbook, all of that stuff. Maybe he gets an opportunity down the line after one of these Uber recruits, and it's funny to say because Jack Miller, in his own right, was an Uber recruit. Maybe he's the guy that gets an opportunity down the line and has a Mac Jones-esque season for Ohio State in two or three years. So um, that's a lot of projecting out, but we'll see, man. It's just it's a, it's a crazy situation. I do think that Ohio State, at the end of the day, has four really good quarterbacks in their room, and it's going to shake out one way or another, and I'm sure that there will be parents – and fans and other players who are upset if any one of these guys were to leave. But at the end of the day, it's a good problem to have. And we've got four studs to choose from and hopefully lead us to uh, the promised land. Yeah, just to kind of put a little bow tie on that point, Mac Jones is only actually a three-star recruit. He was the number 
399 player overall, the number oh, wow. 18 pro-style quarterback. Yeah, so he he waited his turn, like you said. He sat behind all those other guys, and then when his time came, he he started for one year, and they won a national championship. And while I don't think I don't think Mac Jones was the greatest quarterback in the world, I think it helped to have Devonta Smith to dump the ball off to whenever you got in trouble. Um, I don't think he was bad, but like I don't know if he was you know first round NFL draft good. But if if, J- if Jack Miller wants to stick around and maybe have a career similarly to Mac Jones, like you said, where you sit behind the guys and then eventually your time comes, your number is called, then I'm sure he wouldn't mind doing that. But you know, there's no no guarantees that that's going to happen. There's no guarantees anything's going to happen. Maybe all four of these guys leave. Who knows what happens? College football is crazy, but uh, maybe Ohio State gets another Justin Fields transfer next year, and all of this is a moot point. But uh, you know, it, it's you know, college football is a lot of fun. There's a lot of ups and downs and a lot of twists and turns. And so that is no different in recruiting. That happens, honestly, more in recruiting than it does on the field. So it'll be a fun story to watch. You know, we're coming up on the season pretty close here. We're going to be, you know, we'll, we'll probably know who Ohio State's quarterback is in the next month or so. I would hope so, because the first game is in almost exactly a month from today. So uh, as the time this is recorded, but what, yeah, what know, about a, lot, this? a lot of Queen Ewers talk. It's a lot to talk about. Yeah, go ahead. What about this, Gene? So um, hypothetical, fake, imaginary world. They can play, is it three games and retain a red shirt, or is it four games and retain a red shirt? I think shirt? it's four. Okay, so that leaves plenty of opportunity. CJ Stroud starts games one through four. Kyle McCord, five through eight. And then as yours has had time to adapt and develop, he and Jack Miller fight it out for the last couple. And then uh, best man best man uh, leads us out there for the national title game. What do you think? No, even better. In the national title game, each quarterback plays a quarter. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all for it. Four quarterback system. It's even everyone loves the two running back system when they're on the field at the same time. Nah, screw that. We're going one quarterback every three weeks. It's a three-week tryout. At the end of the year, whoever played the best gets to play in the playoffs, and then all four play in the national title game. At the same time, too, There's a we're going to have a package where three of them line up as wide receivers, and we're going to run a crazy wildcat. Everything's going to be great. And I'm kind of I'm putting a framework and an outline together. I assume that you and I are going to immediately pitch this to Ryan Day, if I'm sort of hearing you correctly. I think we're going to end the pod. We're going to make some calls. Uh, maybe he'll come on the podcast next week and discuss the three of ours plan to put this in motion. Yes, I'm sure Ryan Day, the quarterback guru, would love to hear our plan and that that we know what's best for his program and that, how to handle these quarterbacks. I'm sure he needs a lot of help doing that, and he'd love to get it from two of Land Grant Holy Land's finest podcasters. <laughs> you know, until until Ryan Day gives us that call and uh, we wind up in the Woody next week, uh, that'll probably be the end of our show for today. Uh, a lot of good chat about some recruiting and quarterback battles and all this great stuff with Queen Ewers coming to town. So we're excited for it. We're excited to see how it pans out. Uh, be sure to follow the pod everywhere you get your pods. Uh, we're dropping every Wednesday. Uh, and uh, other than that, I am Gene Ross. And for Josh Dooley, we will see you next week. <laughs>